We want to be like David. Amen. So the scripture reference that Bob Yandian used for this lesson, uh, he started with Psalms 131.1. Do we have that? He said, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty. Neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. You know, uh, I like that because we don't want to get ourselves into things that we can't handle, right? And sometimes we do. We move ahead. This psalm is one of 15 psalms of degree, and they're, they're listed. The ones that are included in this category are listed there. This one gives us principles for success and promotion, which David proved in his life. They are called songs of degree or accent because they present life, a life of improvement. And when we think of David, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself, but he made a lot of mistakes. You know, he messed up a number of times. I'm numbered with David. Um, But he had a pure and a good heart. Um, one, one One step at a time leading to success in life. I've been listening to um, uh, an audio book by Jonathan Cain, and I wanted to insert here one of the things he said about, he was talking about temptation, and he said one of the things that's most important, rather than fighting the temptation, the, the starting place is not opening the door. So if you have a place of weakness, don't open the door, right? Don't even open the door. So we have to um, do that one step at a time. Let's say, for instance, you have a tendency to spend too much. You know, that might be your area. You spend more than you should. (laughs) I'll say it that way. So what would be a way to not open the door? Yeah. Don't go to the mall. (laughs) I love it. She said, change the channel. (laughs) I remember my mom, she she was a mail order queen. She didn't have the the web. So, you know, she, she got those catalogs and she would order those things and I remember, just, this is just a, a, a silly example, but she kept getting this bill from um, uh, this company she had ordered something from. And then one day we got a phone call. This lady said, well, you know, sh- we sent it to her. We think she received it. Um, my mom said, I didn't get it. I, I don't remember getting it. And mind you, she, she was a little bit older, so she probably forgot she didn't get it. And I'm cleaning one day, and it was this little porcelain unicorn. And I said, Mom, you did get it. She said, I didn't, I didn't remember. But she would order things and she would forget. She would order clothes and she would, she would not like them and not send them back. But then she'd end up paying for them. And she accumulated quite a bit of debt doing that, you know. So, yeah, change the channel. Don't go shopping. Set a budget. That's a, that's a real simple thing to do, right? 
David is an example of a man who did many things wrong, but was not judged by God for his action. That's the fill in there. But judged for his heart. If God had to make a choice, he would rather our actions be wrong and our heart be right. So that's a big statement for me because you can do the right thing but have the wrong heart motive. David said it's better that our heart, he says God, I mean Yandian says it's better, God, he believes God thinks it's better if our heart is right than our action. Because we can do the right action but have the wrong motive and the wrong heart. Um, God rebuked Israel many times in the Old Testament for their hardness of heart, right? Be just, I mean, they were just stubborn. They just wouldn't do what he told them to do. I think about, um, this is a, a, another uh, teaching I have been studying, and it talked about, and I, hadn't, I really had never put this together, but, you know, God, he didn't even want to give the law to Israel. That was not, he didn't want to do that. But he's with, he's with Moses and he says, I want you to gather my people. I want to talk to them. And they said, no, Moses, we don't want God to talk to us because they knew they had been disobedient. They said, you go talk to him and then you come tell us what he said and then we'll do it. He goes up to the mountain. What he comes back with, the law. And then they were in bondage for a long period of time for something that they really asked for. They weren't willing to take God face to face. They wanted somebody else to represent them. Isn't that amazing? Huh? My light went out. Thank you for telling me that. I can tell it now. I couldn't thank you because I didn't realize it had stopped. Um, let's see. Where do I go from here? Um, the, the reason um, Mr. Yandian put this in there, he said the people said they loved God, and we know this with their lips and with their actions. They, they, they were acting like they believed God, but it says their hearts were far from him. And we can see that in Isaiah 29:13. Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. So their heart was not toward him, just their actions. David is a mystery to many believers today because of his sins and yet his special place in the heart of God. We know the story about David and Bathsheba, and he committed other sins. He, he was still called a man after God's own heart. Say this, say this after me. I'm a man or woman after God's own heart. <laughs> well, wait a minute. I sh- that's not, you know what I meant, right? You know. <laughs> I meant to say, you know, if you're a woman, say woman, man, say man. I didn't say that right. 
Okay, you got it. <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, it says, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept the Lord's command to command it, what the Lord commanded you. <clears throat> okay. David, your next fill in there, David was quick to repent. We know that. And seek the face of God. He had to endure the Lord's correction after many of his sins. I mean, David, he lost a child because of his sin, right? But after repenting, always, every encounter we see of David, he always rose higher than before. David continued to be a better king than he'd ever been. David maintained a heart after God. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And we know that scripture from 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical statue, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For the Lord looks at the outward appearance. For, excuse me, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And I'm so grateful that God looks at our heart. He sees Jesus in our heart. He sees those born-again spirits, and he is pleased. Then in Proverbs 4, 23 and 27, it reads, <clears throat> Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, and put perverse lips far from you. So that really speaks to us, doesn't it? Because our mouth can get us into a lot of trouble. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. And that goes back to that example that I talked about with Jonathan Cain. He says, don't open the door. If you're tempted, you gotta watch what you say, you gotta look at where you're going, what you're doing, and you need to think ahead of time. Is this something, I mean, I shared once when I was ministering about um, these, uh, there were couples and they would go to the movies together. And one of the man, men and got convicted of the type of movies they were watching, you know, they were going to see. And he said, I, I can't do that anymore. Because the Lord said to him, what if that was your daughter, your sister, your mother on that screen? So in that case, how he shut the door was he stopped going to those movies. But if you put yourself in a position where you're still doing that, then you're opening the door to your own temptation. And sooner or later, you're gonna be drawn into it, right? Even with the spending. If God speaks to you and he says, no, don't purchase that. And I don't know if he's ever done that to any of you, where he says no. And you just do it anyway. We do it anyway, and we, do it with, we can do it with credit cards, you know, paying on time. And I don't know what the interest rate is on credit cards right now. Too much. Somebody said too much. Yeah, you know. And even when you buy automobiles, 
the credit, the, the interest can be phenomenal. And you end up, I remember the first car I purchased, I think it was, um, I could pay it off in 36 months, right? Is that three years, right? The next car, it was probably another year added to that. The next car, it was five years to pay it off. And it wasn't that much more money. I don't even want to think of what buying a car would cost today with the interest. Yeah, is it seven years? Isn't that ridiculous? Over my lifetime, it's gone from three years to seven years. And depending on what kind of car, you could be even more than that. Seven years of your life, you're paying on a car. And probably 50% of that, if not more, is interest. You know, get a used car. <laughs> Pay it off, huh? Yeah, I think I'm going back to my, um, what is it, financial, uh, what's Dave Ramsey's um, financial institute training? He says, get a used car, pay it off, don't, don't even have a car note, you know? Um, but you have to do what you believe the Lord's telling you to do, but don't get in debt for seven years paying for something that starts to devalue as soon as you take it off the lot, you know? I had a friend... Um, her son got a car. He hadn't had it two weeks. Someone hit him head on. Brand new car. He can't even he can't even drive it anymore. Thankfully, he had insurance, but I don't even know how much of that insurance is going to cover. He's probably still going to have to pay something on that car, you know. Anyway, it says the mouth, eyes, hand, and feet are all controlled by the heart. Just think about that. What we look at, what we speak, what we do is all controlled by the heart. Sins of the tongue and actions are easily to keep in check when the heart is kept pure before God. You know, because you're going to get that little quickening in you that says, no. Or you're going to get a, a conviction and you go, you go, Lord, I'm sorry, help me. You know, you're going you're to hear that. Let's look at freedom from arrogance. This is one of the principles that comes from this song of David. The success principle of David, King David, deals with arrogance. Arrogance is the source of the original sin in Lucifer. And we all know this, these two scriptures out of Isaiah and Ezekiel. He wanted to exalt himself above God. And it's the source of all personal sin in the believer's life. The Hebrew of Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride precedes destruction, and before the fall, arrogance of spirit prevails. <clears throat> arrogance is exaggerated self-esteem. You think more of yourself than you ought. We forget who is our creator. This is the root of sin, this root of sin, this root causes, this root cause of sin puts arrogance in competition with everyone around, causing them to condescend to those they consider beneath them and to be jealous of those whom they, who seem to be better. And I'm sure you've all encountered people like that. You know, they know all, you know, um, but that's, say, that's not me. That's not me. 
there are people that are not good enough for them, and there are people who are better than them, but they're still better than both those set of people. The arrogant must always show everyone they are better and, they, and, and try to leave every conversation and situation being in control. Have you come against people like that, across people like that? They are too proud to admit their own weaknesses or recognize anyone else's strengths. How can you teach anything to someone who knows everything? Say, that's not me. That's not me. <clears throat> the enemy of arrogance, I love this, is the relaxed, self-confident person. They do not understand a person who is willing to let everyone be themselves and yet have their own peculi peculiarities. The arrogant are always trying to change and work every situation to their own benefit. Just like Lucifer toward God, they have um, a blatant disregard for authority because they consider themselves better than those in charge. Do we see that kind of rampant in our world today? Yeah. We see it in young people, we see it in old people, you know, where they know everything, they want to be in charge. Um, nothing is a benefit to them. The next paragraph, people who are truly confident, that's to fill in, know that God who can give, know that God, know that the God who gave can give again. So that's me, that's us. They also know that people who steal will not be happy. Professions, possessions do not bring lasting happiness. You know, you, you, I don't know if you've ever encountered someone who is really wealthy, you know? I mean, they have a lot, but they're not very humble. They're also not happy people. Actually, they're, they, they just keep seeking after more and more and more, but they're never satisfied. That's, that's the kind of person that, that we're addressing here. Um, people who, you know, young people who steal, who, who rob other people, who feel like there's nothing wrong with taking someone else's possessions, but they're never satisfied. They're never happy, you know? But look at this, it says, David was happy when he watched over his father's sheep. I mean, he was a shepherd boy. You know, I, I liken that to, um, I remember when I, the, not the church two times back, I was in, I was there for a long time, served in that ministry for a long time, and I remember thinking, Lord, will I ever be anything but a doorkeeper? Because I was a doorkeeper, uh, an usher, for, it seemed like forever. And um, I just felt, I saw other people around me being promoted, and I thought, well, if this is what God's called me to, this is what I'll do. This, this is what I'll do, and I'll do it to the best of my ability. And when I was asked and, and said I had been recommended for promotion, I almost couldn't believe it because it was, I wasn't seeking after it. It came to me. Um, he, David was happy um, being a, watching over his father's sheep. He was happy when he lived in a cave on the run from Saul 
and the armies of Israel. Can you imagine that? He was content. Why? Because he knew who his God was. Because the king's happiness came from the Lord, that's where our happiness and our peace and consolation has to come. David was a mystery to many in his kingdom who were striving for higher positions. Many of them probably thought David to be simple-minded, ignorant of the ways of, true ways of life. Yet David was very perceptive, very well practiced in the, in the ways of life. As King David witnessed many people trying um, to promote themselves into positions which were only God's to give, right? So we have to, even with, with promotion, we have to wait on the Lord. And he will promote us in due time. We don't have to strive, you know. Um, David had seen uh, their kind before he would see them, before and he would see them again. We know that even in David's own family, his, he had sons that were trying to get promotion and position, and it was, they weren't supposed to have it. It wasn't for them even wanting to kill him for that. <clears throat> the reason the arrogant never stay ahead is because they are fighting the Lord. Not only, not only do the arrogant consider themselves smarter than anyone around them, secretly they also consider themselves smarter than God. I say that's a scary position to be in. <laughs> they appoint themselves enemies of God. God loves true humility in a person, but hates pride and conceit. Again, the Hebrew for Proverbs 3.34 I mean, says, God sets himself in battle array against the arrogant, but gives grace to the humble. These were David's words given to Solomon. Success principle handed down from one generation to the next. So let us be the, you know, we're, I realize, um, I was sharing with some of the ladies um, Tuesday when we were here, that in my family, all of the, um, the people of my mother's generation on my mother's side are gone. So I'm the next generation. And it feels weird. It really does. It's like I don't know how to, I haven't processed that yet. But prayerfully, I will be able to pass on good to the generations that are under me, that I, that I have, you know, uh, ability to touch their lives and to speak into their lives, and we want to do that. <clears throat> All right. Some do not understand how David can recognize his own humility. If you admit you're humble, think about this. If, if you say, well, I'm a humble person, um, are you really humble? Is that pride when you say that? Isn't admitting um, humility a sign of arrogance? Yandian says, we have made this issue contradictory. We have been taught that humility is a virtue to obtain, but the one possessing this virtue cannot recognize it. This comes from not truly understanding arrogance. David was not arrogant, but confident. Say, that's me. I'm not arrogant, but I am confident. Often the proud mistake arrogance for confidence. Often, too, the humble mistake confidence for arrogance. 
So we have to watch that. You know, what's true humility in the eyes of God? A confident person recognizes his own virtues, but quickly gives the credit to those who helped and contributed contributed to creating those virtues. They acknowledge the people who have helped them along the way, who've taught them, you know, who've, who've mentored and discipled them. Arrogant ones, on the other hand, believe they have always had these virtues and are gifted and they are self-made people. Freedom from arrogance made David a true leader. People enjoyed his presence. Do people enjoy your presence? You know, do they like being around you? Because you're not so pumped up and arrogant that, you know, they, they feel like, you make me uncomfortable. I don't really want to be around you. But are you confident? And they want to be around you. And they go, that person has something I need. That person has something that um, makes me want to be a better person. Makes me want to serve the Lord, you know? <clears throat> Um, it says here, not only did they enjoy his presence, but they felt uplifted when they left. David could truly give um, to the poor and receive from the rich. David was relaxed around both the uneducated and the wise. I, I went last time that we went out for an outreach, and you know, there were just a few of us but I can truly say that the people that went, and I'm sure when others have gone, that the people that were reached felt loved. You know, They didn't feel like we were more than or less than them. They felt equal to us. And what we were sharing was the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's how it should be. Even when we're, we're ministering to people on the street, they should see, feel and sense that they are valued by us. They are important to us. That they mean something to us. <clears throat> All of David's praise went to the Lord who made him a success and who would further promote him. Um, this, this, little, this next little paragraph in closing came right from Bob Yandian. He said, the problem... Um, taking ourselves, to, is that sometimes we take ourselves too seriously. And we can take our ministry and mission and life seriously, but not ourselves. And he shares this um, a little analogy, and he talks about um, the time of the Pony Express. And he says, you know, we, we didn't, and I don't know, I don't know if we have, I think what they call it now, snail mail, you know, even the postal system. Because when it takes 12 days for a letter to get from Raleigh to Virginia, I'm thinking that's still snail mail. And they, Pony Express could have probably gotten it there faster. But he uses this analogy. He said, you know, then, you know, the, 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 ride, the, the horse riders would go, you know, they would go a certain amount of miles. And then, you know, they'd have a bundle of mail. And then they would pass it off. And then the next horse rider would go up. A, a certain number of miles, and they would pass it off, and that the, the, the importance was not the messenger, the person carrying the mail to whoever was receiving it, but it was the message that they were going to receive. And he says that's the way it is 
for the Christian. You know, we, we are the link. We are like the Pony Express rider on the horse. We take the message. We are the messengers. We are not the message. The message is Christ, okay? <clears throat> the task is important, but God can, can get anyone. He says God can get anyone to do it. The important thing to God is the message you carry, not the messenger. We are carrying God's message into the world, and we are just the riders, a link in God's Pony Express. Again, the message is important, not you, the messenger. God is in the business of taking nobodies, that's the fill in there, and making them somebodies out of them. Every hero of the word of God was a nobody who one day met God. Why are they any different than you? I love that because we're all equal in him. God has always and still does use humble people. So I say river of life, I love you humble people and I thank you for carrying the message of God. Amen. God bless you. <laughs> Come up in our circle tonight, and we'll do prayer requests and praise reports and